Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. What is up, Bits of Gold fam? Happy Monday. Welcome to another episode of the Bits of Gold podcast, a.k.a. the Build Your Dream Life podcast, where each week we discuss waking up to who we truly are, finding our purpose, and the importance of building your dream life. I am so excited for this episode today with Marie Alessi. Marie today is a grief coach and has a remarkable and inspiring story. After seven years of being a mindset mentor, her tools were put to the test when adversity shook her family of four. Her husband, Rob, passed away on a business trip when their boys were only 10 and 8. Marie took everything she had learned to become a shining example for her sons and now thousands of people around the world through her workshops, through her book, Loving Life After Loss, and so much more. With that, enjoy the show. Maria Lessi, welcome to the Bits of Gold podcast. So excited to have you on today. So am I. Thank you. Yeah. So, you know, I know we were just getting to know each other a few minutes before we started recording here. Yeah. As I mentioned, you know, I've had quite a bit of people on the show come on, discuss their own story of loss, grief, Mm. navigating that journey. But I've yet to have someone on who is a grief coach. So I'm really excited to have you on to share your story and to learn how you ended up becoming a grief coach, how you're helping thousands of people today and just share your story overall. Thank you. I'm really excited to be here because, you know, especially when you told me you never had anybody on working in this space, I thought that was such a perfect opportunity really to share. So my background story, I'll give you absolute bullet point forms because otherwise we'll be sitting here for three hours. Uh, I'm originally from Austria. I always put that up front because people always wonder about my accent. was born in Austria, moved to Australia in 2004, literally just following a very strong calling that I had. I always had this feeling I was born on the wrong side of the planet. You know, I really want to live in Australia. I never knew why till I came here. And that was in 97, my first flight to Australia. And I remember landing in Sydney and feeling so at home. For the first time in my life, I had this really strong sense of belonging. This is where I belong. I never had that before. So seven years later, I finally made it happen and moved here for good after visiting like 12 times. (laughs) And about 10 months later, I met my husband. And if somebody would have told me that I will move to the other side of the planet, meet my husband and get married only 10 months later, I would have asked them if they're a little bit nuts, to be honest, because I thought if he's Mr. Right, he'll still be Mr. Right in three to five years. Why the rush? But when Rob proposed, I was like, of course, there was no questions asked. It was just so clear to me. Yeah. So 10 months after I moved here, I met him 10 months later, we got married. It was incredible. And I never regretted it for a moment in my life. It was absolutely 
picture perfect relationship. I really, I was just so falling in love with this man over and over again. And it just continued like literally ongoing journey of falling in love with him. The more I got to know him, the more I loved him. We had, we have two beautiful boys, Lynn and Jed. So they're meanwhile 14 and 12. And we really did live that dream life. You know, we had a lot of people looking up to us. We were known as that couple and still so in love after all these years and holding hands. And like I had always pictured it, I always thought this is my dream relationship, you know, being so in tune with somebody. And it was just absolutely beautiful. And in terms of work background, to give you that as well, I worked in advertising when I met Rod. And when we started a family, I left the industry because it doesn't really match with family, I have to say. And then somehow stumbled into the world of self-development and started my own business. So I worked with a mindset coach for a long time. And about seven and a half years into that, Rob went on a business trip and never came back. So he was in the prime of his life, completely unexpected, 45, super fit, healthy, surfer, and he literally just collapsed in a shower and died on a business trip away. He had a brain aneurysm and there was nothing that could have indicated that, not even in hindsight when they did the autopsy. And the boys were 10 and 8. So it was, as you can imagine, a huge shock to them to lose their dad at such a young age. And I really felt so deeply for them because I lost my dad when I was 20. And I looked at them, I thought, you guys are not even combined as old as I was, you know. And I remember how deeply it hit me when my dad passed. And the good thing I have to say, and that, that sounds really bizarre, and you'll, you'll hear me talk a lot about the golden nuggets or the gifts in adversity or the good things in situations like that, because this is what I focus on, and we'll, we'll talk a lot more about that. But the good thing in that situation was that I was now equipped with so many tools that I had learned in my journey of being a mindset coach that I could hold space for them like a trooper. Like I literally felt like this is, this is what I need to do. I need to be there for them. I need to hold space. And one thing that Rob and I had promised to each other was that if something was ever to happen to either one of us, we want the other person to take the boys and create the happiest life possible. We always said that to each other because that's what love is. Mm. Love is that simple. If you love someone, you want them to be happy. And there I was. All of a sudden, my theory had turned into reality, and that's exactly what I knew I had to do. And I understand it sounds a lot easier said than done, and it was, but I had a focus, if that makes sense. I knew what I had to do. Mm. Wow. <laughs> that's a lot. That was my little intro. <laughs> <laughs> I'm curious. So you lost your dad when you were 20. How did that loss shape your life as a young adult in your early 20s, mid 20s, through marriage, up until your husband passing? And that's a really beautiful question. Thank you. I have to say, I, I just got goosebumps when you asked me that because you know what? Watching my dad pass at such a young age, or I thought I was young till you know, I had to watch Flynn and Jed go through that at an even younger age. But this is not about comparison, by the way, because there'll always be people where it's even younger or even this or even that. I always make a big point about it's not about comparison, but I'm just looking at my own life, you know. And the one thing, the biggest lesson that I got out of losing my dad at that age was never leave anything unsaid. Ever. So if you've got something to say to someone you love, 
in particular, the really deep and meaningful conversations, say it, don't ever wait. That was one thing I learned because I was left with that. I wish I would have said that to my dad. I wish I would have done that. I was left with that. And it really bugged me for a long time. And that was the one gift that I had learned. And it really shaped my life. From there on, I always told people, I am very well known. You can ask any of my friends to write the most deepest and meaningful birthday cards and letters and stuff like that, because I'm always like, why wait? I want to tell you that now. And people usually, you know, when they mm. receive a card from me, and I'm like, should I read this now or later? Because I know it's going to make me cry. And I'm like, I'm not doing this to make <laughs> you cry. I'm doing this because I want to share what I feel and what I think and what you mean to me. And it's important to me. So Rob and I naturally live that every single day of our relationship, you know, and, and I really mean it when I say every single day. We had 13 and a half years together, you know, and in those 13 and a half years, I believe that we shared a lot more love with each other than others are ever blessed to have or to share. That's my belief. And again, I'm not saying that to compare. I'm saying that to portray what our relationship was like because we were so in tune. We were so in the moment. We were both so much about, I need you to know how much I love you every single day, you know, and Rob, he always put me on a pedestal. He never missed a chance to tell me how special I was and to show me how much he loved me. He was very much, uh, you know, love language, physical touch and acts of services. He did so many things for me and, and it was really incredible to feel like his queen. I really did. I feel that he really honored and loved me so much. And it was incredible being in a relationship like that. So when he passed, there was no regrets. There was no, oh, I wish I would have said that to him. I wish he would have known because I know that I said everything I had to say and that he knew how much he was loved by us. Mm. So that was a gift that I got through my dad's passing, interestingly enough. So, yeah. Yeah. I remember when my dad was sick, a friend came up to me who had lost his dad at a young age and he said, mm. you know, you should sit down and make a list of questions or things yeah. that you hope, that you think you hope to have with your dad one day. Yeah. And mm. try to discuss those things. And, mm. you know, it is, it obviously, you know, I was looking at that at the time through the lens of loss, through the lens of my yeah. dad's going to die. I want to have these conversations that I hope mm. that I would like to have one day and I know I won't be able to. Yeah. But regardless of, you know, loss or, or not, it is a great lens or a great way to, to live your life where mm. you're not holding any of these conversations in and you're yeah. sharing with your friends, your family, because you just never know. Yeah. Absolutely. I agree. It's so important to have these conversations, not even in terms of, oh my God, uh, my dad's about to die. I need to talk to him about this. Like anybody listening to this right now, you've got the opportunity right now, no matter if your parents are dying or not. And if you still have those people in your life, and maybe it's not just your parents, maybe it's your partner, your friend, your sister, anyone, have those conversations. And it's not like from a space of fear, oh my God, if you lose them, have it from a space of love and gratitude. You have them in your life right now. You know, make the most of it. Make the most of life. Just tell people what you feel for them. It's beautiful. Absolutely. So I'm curious, did you and your husband, Rob, talk about loss? You know, given that you had this experience of loss at, at a young age, I'm curious how that shaped your marriage as well as how you navigated your marriage together. Yeah. We sometimes talked about it in terms of, you know, like when something came up and uh, I had moments where I'm like, I wish my dad was here, you know. Obviously, 
the usual milestones in your life, like when Rob and I got married, you know, and because I didn't have my dad to walk me down the aisle, and I'm putting that under quotation marks because Rob and I had a barefoot wedding on the beach, so we didn't have a, an aisle per se, but we did have that, you know, how are we going to do this? And we decided to literally walk down the beach where everybody was waiting for us hand in hand and we just do it together. We didn't need anybody to walk me down the aisle. We just walked in there. We did everything very unconventional and very just us, you know. But those situations, like when we got married, when kids were born, obviously, you know, there were always moments where I'm like, oh, I wish my dad would be here. And that, of course, triggers conversations about loss and people dying and passing and all that. And when Rob's dad was sick for a while, like, you know, we talk about that and bless him, he's still alive, he's in a, in a good shape. So I'm really, really glad to, to wow. say that Rob's dad is still around. But we had moments and they were often triggered by, by accidents, actually. So Rob used to work, like where he drove to work, it was like a one-way street. There was no other streets going in or out. So if there was an accident, it was completely blocked and people wouldn't get out for like an hour or two, had to have like a massive detour to get out of this and the odd days where it happened and he came home after work like hours delayed and he told me about this you know there was an accident there was a a dad that passed who had a really young child and interestingly enough years later I met the family who had lost the dad so I have goosebumps just talking about this and it traded conversations between us and it was like you know if something was ever to happen to me and we talked about these things, which I was really glad about. There were never big conversations as like, do this and do that. And, you know, what would happen with our house or detailed things. It was just about life per se and your attitude. And Rob was the one who taught me the concept about choices. You know, often you, you talk to people and you're like, well, I didn't choose to lose my husband. And here's the thing. On a spiritual level, I actually truly believe that we have chosen that, but that's a completely different conversation. And I also say that with a lot of respect for other people who might have a completely different faith or background around that. But this is my belief. My spiritual belief is that Rob and I actually chose this and this was our sole contract. But that set aside, if you say, look, I didn't choose to lose my husband, you can still choose how you respond to it, what you do with your life. If you choose to just go down the path that society expects you to fall apart and sit in grief for at least a year or 10 if you've got Italian background or whatever your cultural background is. There's all these expectations of you falling apart and sitting in pain and suffering. That's society's expectation, unfortunately. But you can choose to have a different outcome, to focus on love, to focus on healing, to focus on joy. How can I create that? And for me, I'm going to give you one little, little trick up front here. People often say to me, how do you even get started? How do you get out of that pain? Because this pain is so incredibly huge for most people that they often don't know how to get even started. And I would say, for me, the first step is separate who you have lost from what you have lost. So you need to look at, in my case, it was when I look at Rob, I felt like Rob was always my knight in shining armor. I always felt protected when he was around and I felt safe when he was around. So that feeling safe, that's the separating who you've lost from what you've lost. I have lost that feeling safe when Rob wasn't here anymore. So I had to look into, this is my choice. You know, I can either stay stuck in, well, now I feel unprotected and I don't feel safe, or I can look into how can I recreate that for me? 
This is not about replacing anyone. This is about how can I create this, what I need? What are my needs and how can I create this? This is about empowerment. This is about choices. This is about stepping back into what can I do rather than I can't do anything. See the two choices? They're so simple and it's not always easy, but the choice is simple. It's like looking at what can I do rather than what can't I do anymore now? And that was really important for me. Absolutely. I'm curious, in what ways was grief and the loss harder for you than you might have thought it was going to be? Because I can understand that now, you know, maybe you've done a lot of work introspectively and, you know, maybe you've had some time to work through. But Mm -hmm. for someone who is immediately facing a loss or an adversity, it's very hard to you don't just go, obviously, from one place to the next of this is the worst thing in my life, too. So, you know, I'm curious, in what ways was your grief and your loss harder for you Yeah. when Rob first passed? Yeah. So the first thing I noticed, and that's a complete opposite to your question, but I do want to say it, was that before Rob passed, I always bowed to single parents. I have a few friends that are single parents, and I always thought, this is incredible. I've got no idea how they do that because Rob was so hands-on as a husband, as a dad, so supportive that I thought, how, how would I ever do this without Rob? And the interesting part was that this actually came really easy to me. And I know that sounds so weird, you know, like, and it's not, a, oh, because it's so many years later. It actually was quite obvious to me. I was really surprised how much easier it came to me. Yet I believe it became that easy for me because my mindset was, I'm it. I'm it. I'm the sole parent. There's nobody else around. I am it. And I will do anything and everything I can to be there for you and to create a happy life for you. So that was an instant stepping up to the challenge, an instant stepping into this is who I am now. Despite that, it took me over three years to recognize that I kept referring to myself as a single parent. And all of a sudden I had this epiphany. I'm like, I'm not a single parent. I'm a sole parent. There's a huge difference. It sounds so minor, the difference. It's a huge difference because as a sole parent, you're it. There's nobody else around. As a single parent, there's usually another single parent somewhere else that share weekends, share holidays, share, you know, decision-making. I didn't have that. And it was important to honor that and to own that. I'm coming back to your question now. The hardest part for me because of that decision, because of that I'm it, I'm stepping up, I'm stepping up, I'm stepping into that role wholeheartedly and I'm embracing it. I found it really, really hard, super challenging, super tricky to accept help in from other people. You know, there were so many people that wanted to help, that wanted to step up and I was always like, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. And I said no to help so many times till I learned the hard way. I'm like, why don't you allow that in? And I believe that a lot of people who are dealing with healing grief will notice that it is really challenging to allow help in and that's for the simple fact that you have just experienced such a deep loss that you feel if you now open your heart again to somebody even if it's just a friend supporting you and then next day they might not be there that you just hold on to it's easier to just do it on my own rather than opening up and oh nobody's there now that constant is somebody there is somebody not there do i do i need help do i not it's sometimes easier to just hold on to everything and not allow people in and it's not true i needed to learn that it really is just in your head it's just 
eight out of 10 times, nine out of 10 times, somebody will be there to help you. And that one or the other two times where nobody can do it for whatever reason, it's easier to deal with that, that than constantly not accepting help in. So that was a huge, huge shift for me. And I'm still a work in progress with that. I'm still learning to accept help in and I'm getting so much better at it, but it is an ongoing process for me. Yeah. You know, it sounds like you have a very, and obviously, you know, you, and I want to get into how you pivoted your career and your life into grief coach. Now you're helping people today, but. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a, it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. When did your mindset shift into like a greater state of positivity? And I'd love for you to discuss a little bit about your own grief journey. And mm-hmm. I guess when you got to that point of, you know, I'm, I'm not sure if today you live mainly in the state of positivity, if you hold mm-hmm. both the sadness, the hurt, as well as the positive and yeah. the way it shaped your life today. I'd, I'd love to discuss that a little bit. Yeah. So the answer might surprise you because I stepped into that almost immediately. When I received the phone call that Rob had passed, the very first moment, it felt like somebody just pulled a rug underneath my feet. It felt like the entire world just stopped or put into slow motion for me and everything around me just continued turning at the same pace. So it was like that full on feeling of tumbling. And I often describe that moment of, um, I'm showing my age here, (laughs) of uh, your favorite song playing on a record player, your favorite happy song. And all of a sudden the needle scratches all of that record and the music stops. That's how it felt to me that very moment. Yet in that moment, I didn't have a lot of time in that moment because the boys were sitting downstairs in a living room and we've got an open plan house. So there was no closing the door to what's going on up there. It was just, I was upstairs in the bedroom and they were downstairs and I just stepped into functioning mode. That's the best I can explain it. So the first thing was for me, I stepped into functioning mode and it was like, okay, what needs to happen? I need to tell the boys that was the hardest thing I ever had to do in my entire life, telling the boys Mm. that their dad had passed. And there's no sugarcoating that message. It's just the, this is what just happened. And then holding them and then holding them while they were crying and screaming. And it was really heart piercing and, and horrible. And I allowed all the time that we needed to sit and to cry and to be in that moment, just, just the three of us. And when that moment 
was over. That sounds very bizarre to say that way, but when we had our moment, I said to them, we need to go and tell Nana and Nono. So Rob's parents, I knew that I had to drive there and tell them. So from there on, it was literally just a step-by-step. What's the next thing I have to do? What's the next thing I have to do? And I remember that night we stayed at Rob's parents' place at night and I slept in one bed with Flynn and Jed. So I had my boys in my arms and I remember that physical pain I felt through grief. I had never experienced anything like that in my life. It literally felt like somebody had emptied a bucket of acid in my stomach. That's how it felt physically. Mm. And I was just, it was such a pivotal moment in this whole journey because I remember I was laying there crying, experiencing that pain. My heart was just completely pierced through the pain that my boys were going through. I could hardly sleep all night. And in that night I was going through, this is what I need to be and do right now. And I remember it because it was literally as if my mind had this entire night to prepare for what was to come. And I knew that was what we had promised to each other. That's what we thought would always be theory in our lives. And all of a sudden it was reality. And this was my moment to step up and to keep that promise that I made to Rob, you know, to create the happiest life possible to the boys. So it started that was seeds being planted. And it was definitely not a flick the switch situation. In my mind, maybe it was a very pivotal moment, but it was a constant preparation and planting seeds for what was to come. It was literally one day at a time, one step at a time, and always looking at how can I create happiness for them? It was really my ongoing driver and my ongoing question. So it started very early. Mm. What about for for yourself? What about happiness for yourself? I love that question. (laughs) It is so confronting to hear that question because that is something that I neglected for way too long without realizing, you know, and it's so beautiful. There couldn't be a more perfect moment for you to ask me that. And you had no idea. So I'm telling you this now. Literally only last weekend, we sat uh, with a vision group that I go to once a month. And for the first time, we went really deep, all of us, in that one vision group. And I said, you know what's missing in my life? Fun. I really am missing fun and joy. And there's not enough of that in my life. And it really got to me because here am I dedicating my entire life to creating joy and happiness for not just my boys, but for the entire world. And the group that I have, the movement that I have founded. And writing books about it. And all of a sudden I had this very confronting epiphany that I didn't do that enough for myself. It was only ever little splashes here and there, but never enough for myself. And it was a very pivotal moment again, you know, one of those really big things where I'm like, oh my God, I need to do this. What am I doing here? You know? Mm. Yeah. So I've literally started to shift that already in my life. And every morning I wake up with a very different mindset now because I'm like, this is my aim now. I feel like I've built a foundation for my boys. I've built a foundation for my movement and just focusing back on what's actually fun for me, you know? And the most confronting situation was that I couldn't even answer that question anymore. And that's really sad, you know, Mm. really confronting. So perfect question at the perfect moment. Yes, this is my absolute number one priority right now to create that for myself and to have more fun. Mm, I love that. Yeah. How did you pivot your life and decide to 
become a grief coach and what exactly is a grief coach? And yeah. <laughs> uh, maybe you could share a little bit about the yeah. movement that you're, you're building, that you've been building and how you're helping people today. Yeah. So first of all, a grief coach, like I, I ran my own coaching business before Rob passed. And when he died, I literally just closed it down because I had nothing left for clients or anybody else. I needed to be there for the boys and myself. So I closed that business. And then about four months into Rob's passing, I had this moment where I sat with my psychologist. I started working with a positive psychologist to have somebody there to support me through that. And I said to her, you know, these expectations from people, like how I'm supposed to fall apart and, and all these labels and society loves labels, you know, and I don't fit that label of a widow. I, I just recently did a TED talk, my first TED talk on redefining our image of a widow. And I'm really big on let's recreate those labels or let's just drop them altogether. But because society needs labels, they always ask me, what do you do? And I thought, well, grief coach explains it in a shortcut and people do need labels. I still don't like it, but it explains it in a shortest version of what I do. So my background is coaching. My background is mindset coaching. And I have experienced grief myself. And by the way I walked through it, I realized by people's reaction and questions that I was handling grief very differently to most because my focus was on happiness, on joy, on healing. And grieving happens along the way anyway. Most people do it the other way around. They just focus on grief and there's no other way out. When your focus is grief, you'll always see grief. Mm. When your focus is joy and happiness and healing, then the grieving can happen along the way. You would just allow that. It's just such a mind shift to look at it that way. So I decided to write a book about it. I wrote a book and it was just intended to be a love legacy for Rob, you know, sharing the story, how we met, fell in love, had our dream life, you know, a perfect wedding, the two boys, the house, and then how he passed and how I dealt with it. I wanted to just offer some hope to the world. What I didn't expect was that the book not only became an Amazon number one bestseller, but it also ranked in the top 100 of Australia. And I was blown away when I found out about that. I was like, wow, I've got something that the world needs. Then I took the boys traveling around the world for two months. We just traveled and just, you know, to create new happy memories, new moments and be away for all these first milestones without Rob around Christmas and New Year's. And when I was in Vienna, where I was born, I had this epiphany. I'm like, I need to do something bigger with this. This is so much more than just a book, you know. And when I came back, I opened the doors to Loving Love After Loss. That was the title for the book, but I also gave that title to the movement I started. And within the first week or two, we had hundreds of people come in. And meanwhile, we just had our third year anniversary. There's three and a half thousand people in there now. So I've created healing journeys, healing programs, healing retreats. My whole focus in the group is on sharing love, holding space, helping people heal, reaching them some tools that they can use, little tools to get started. Most grief groups I look at, I can't spend more than five to 10 minutes in them because there is comparison, there is drag me down energy, there is just all the focus is on the hurt and on the loss and whose loss is worse and who whose loss was younger and who had more kids and younger kids and younger husbands. And I can't breathe in there because there is no focus on healing. There is not a lot of hope. There's a little bit of that, but the most focus is on the death, on the dying, on the hurt. And there is a need for that. Yet I believe there's a way bigger need for healing, for happiness, for choices. And people don't see that in those groups or very, very little of it. So 
I decided to create a space where people can get all of that. Got it. So it sounds like the big difference in your movement and in what you do versus more traditional, maybe like grief groups and things mm-hmm. of that nature is yeah. your focus much more on the actual healing, yeah. moving forward after the loss yeah. and holding that space. Yeah, absolutely. Do you primarily work with people or do you solely at this point work with people who have experienced grief and loss? Or is that like the majority of the people that are coming to you for, for help? Yeah, absolutely. I very much focus on groups. So my absolute favorite part are the retreats because the retreats are very personal and it's just really beautiful to sit in circle with people. It's very, very powerful and profound when you do that in person. The movement is global. There are a lot of people like America's actually just overtaken uh, Australia in in terms of who's in the group. There's like 50% are actually from the US and about 45% Australia and the rest of the 5% are spread all over the world, mainly, mainly Europe. Yeah. So it's, it's incredible. So I have online healing programs as well that are run for people that cannot travel to Australia, which obviously we know not everybody can do that. And also we've got a lot of restrictions still going on. So it's just a beautiful space where people just, they're really just welcomed into the group. And I've got a couple of moderators that help me in the group that are always very welcoming and holding space. It's just beautiful. And people who come in, they all seem to adopt that habit of just holding space for the next person coming in. And I just really, I really love that. The focus has shifted completely, you know? Yeah, that's amazing. So the book's titled Loving Life After Loss, right? That was my first book. It was literally the story of Rob and I and how I dealt with his passing. And I've recently published my second book, which is called Happy Healing. And happy healing is the continuum of the story. What happened after that? You know, the creation of the movement and also very hands-on healing tools. I really wanted to share something with people so people can give it away as a gift as well. You know, when so often I get asked, my friend, my cousin, my whoever has just lost someone, what can I do? What, you know, how is your book going to help them? And I always say, you know what? Loving Life After Loss is a beautiful book. I, I don't regret having written it because it's our story. But if you want something that really helps them, go for happy healing because happy healing has got hands-on tools in there that people can actually start using immediately while they read it. And that was really important to me to give something in the book that people can start using almost like a, a bit of a workbook, if that makes sense. And yeah, so I'm, I'm very happy about that second book. And I am so all about dates. And we had this beautiful portal that everybody talked about. I published Happy Healing because it was the second book. I published it on the second of the second 22. So I'm like, yay. <laughs> it literally only just came out. So I just love it. What are some ways that someone can focus on the healing as opposed to the pain? I'm curious as yeah, what your take would be on that as, as a grief coach. Yeah. I think one super simple question, because so many people get stuck in the question, why? And why me? And the harsh reality is that you won't ever be able to answer the question. So as long as you will ask yourself the question, you will be stuck with that question because there is no answer. And the more empowering question to ask and a start on your healing path would be, what can I do now? So often we get bucked down with what we can't do anymore or what we have lost or what's not here anymore rather than looking at, but what can I do? What can I do? You know, there are so many things that I can do. And a perfect example, Rob and I actually planned 
to take the boys out of school for the entire 2019, homeschool them and travel around the world for an entire year. That was our plan. I've still got the entire itinerary on our cupboard. And when Rob passed, I thought, okay, what can I do? And I knew that I would not want to travel to South America with two young boys on my own, but I knew I wanted to travel with them. I knew I wanted to do whatever I could on my own. And it turned into a two months journey around the world rather than 12 months. But that's what I could do. And I didn't get stuck in, oh, what could I have done with Rob? I went like, what can I do with the boys? You know, I, I, it's really so often it's in the shifting your question to a more empowering state and asking yourself, what can I do? What can I create? What can I create? What I'm missing is so much more empowering than getting stuck in. I wish I still had that. And I wish, you know, he was still here. Well, everybody wishes that, of course, there's nothing wrong about that. Yet it's more empowering to focus your entire mindset of how can I make him proud? You know, I know that Rob would be so freaking proud of me <laughs> right now with what I have created and with what I'm doing. And that's definitely more empowering. Mm. Yeah, it's just literally training your mindset to focus on the things that you can do, that you can achieve, that you can have. Mm. Yeah, I think that's a great point. I always said after my own losses, mm. the question to not ask is why, but rather what now? So, it, you know, it's very much aligned with yeah, that, that exactly. train of thought and thinking. And I think it doesn't really only apply to loss, obviously, but any adversity in your life that you're mm. met with, asking why I think typically is pretty, it's just an irrelevant, you know, it's, it's, you know, you can ask it, you can sit there and think about it. But the what is really the most important thing, what you are going to do now, what you can do now as a result of the circumstances that you're put in. Yeah. So, you know, we can, we can start to wrap up this episode. I love the title loving life after loss. One Thank question you. I ask all the guests that come on is, that, you know, the bits of gold podcast is all about building your dream life. And with that being said, you know, how can my guests build a life they love regardless of loss or not loss or having lost or, you know, cause everyone, everyone will grieve and lose eventually, but how can someone just build a life they love, especially knowing what, what, you know, through the, the lens of someone who has lost significant people in their life? Yeah. I think for me, the most beautiful shift in perspective would always be to when you experience adversity, you have two choices instantly. You can look at the closed door and keep staring, knowing that it won't reopen, or you can turn around, not turning in terms of turning your back, but you can turn around and look at adversity like a blank canvas. And I really love that analogy of the blank canvas so much. So I've actually given my program the title blank canvas, because that's what we do. We have a blank canvas right there. And it's our choice whether we're going to use the exact same colors that we had before or different colors or really looking at the opportunity that comes out of it. So often it's like a massive reset button in our lives. And then all of a sudden we realize how many things we would actually like to shift and change about ourselves, about who we are, how we speak, how we dress, our colors in the home or whatever, you know, that all of a sudden my creative juices started flowing so massively because I'm like, I have so much that I want to change and create. And it's such a wake up call. It really is an opportunity as well you know it's not only ever just a loss there is so much opportunity in loss yet often we don't allow ourselves to look at it 
So this is, this is my little wake up call for you guys. Look at the opportunity in life that you have, and you don't even have to wait to experience a loss or an adversity. You can take right now to look at your life and go like, where's the opportunity for me to create who I want to be in life. You can do that right now. Go. Amazing. Where can people find you, connect with you, learn more about what you do? I think the easiest way is just my website. It's mariealessi.com. So M-A-R-I-E-A-L-E-S-S-I.com. So it's first name, last name.com. Because from there, you literally have all the buttons to connect with me, to book a chat, to look at my programs, to look at my retreat, get my books. There is everything there. And there's also a link to our movement, to the group. So we've got the Facebook group where you can join. And all of that is on my website. So it's probably the easiest way to just navigate from there. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you so much for having me, Dan. I really enjoyed it. Thank you for your beautiful questions. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Bits of Gold podcast. If you like this episode, please take a minute, subscribe, leave a review, and make sure to tune back in the following Monday where we drop an all-new interview to help you continue on your mission to build your dream life. With that, have an amazing week. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.